Welcome to another Rain Race special. Today we have IndyCar rookie Zach Veach joining us. We're going to be talking about his 2018 season with Andretti Autosport. We're going to be reminiscing on his past in racing. And at the very end, we're going to be answering some of your questions. If you're viewing this on YouTube, you can click the card at the top right-hand corner and it'll bring you to all of our previous episodes. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play by searching for the Rain Race Podcast. I just want to quickly apologize for a couple of audio glitches on Zach's end. I tried my best to edit around them, but as you'll hear, they still aren't perfect. Besides that, I hope you all enjoy it. It was a very fun one to record, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Welcome to a special episode of the Rain Race Podcast. Today we're here with Kyle Cuthbertson, the usual co-host. Sup. And we're also here with 2018 IndyCar rookie for Andretti Autosport, uh, Zach Veach. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if any of you guys listened to the Dion Von Mulka podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, but this is going to be staged pretty similarly. We're going to ask him some questions about his career. Uh, went to Reddit and Instagram and I've had people ask some other questions. Some of them are racing related, some of them are not, so uh, we'll get to those towards the end of the episode if you want to stick around for those. Uh, but starting off here, I want to talk about your 2018 season because obviously, uh, first full-time season in IndyCar, and you're jumping into a pretty big team with Andretti Autosport. So uh, what were your initial impressions when you heard that you'd be racing for Andretti this year? I think, uh, you know, the the biggest thing was just relief. Uh, you know, you, you try so long and hard to uh, get into the Verizon IndyCar series. And, you know, for me, Andretti was always a team that I looked up to when I was really young, just because of Michael and Mario, obviously. But, you know, as I got selected to be on their USF 2000 team in 2010 and all the latter series, basically, with Andretti, that team has become such a home to me. And, you know, I, I really didn't want to drive for any other team uh, in the world other than Andretti. So to have the opportunity to uh, be able to find that sponsorship with Group 1001 to have an opportunity to go IndyCar racing, and that was the first team we thought of. And they were so excited to have us just because of uh, the same feelings we have towards them. So uh, it's, uh, it's a big shoe to, fit, to, to step into, being the, the number 26, but... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do with it. Of course, because you're at Andretti, you have some uh, pretty experienced teammates alongside you. You have Ryan Hunter Ray, 2012 champion, and really you just have the Andretti family, which can properly set up a car for the Indy 500 if you want to look at the last two <laughs> runnings as an example. So going into a race like Indianapolis this year, your hopes pretty high. Would you like to keep them sort of more modest, um, take it one step at a time? Or are you going into a race like Indy this year with high expectations? I think, uh, you know, we, Indy, you never know. Uh, but I think our expectations are pretty high just from the history of the team. Now that we have a, a bit of a different car with the 2018 Aero kit, that might throw, uh, you know, a little complexity into the whole, the whole puzzle. But, you know, I'm pretty confident with what we have to offer there. Um, you know, last year doing it as a, a one-off with Foyt, you know, our program came together fairly late and, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things where you're really struggling to find the pace to see what Andretti's been able to do. I, I know that's not going to be an issue at all. So it's just going to come down to me doing the best job I possibly can and hopefully uh, find ourselves in the lead uh, 199 laps in and uh, take it to the checkered. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, this year you're driving last year's winning chassis that Takuma Sato drove to victory. So <laughs> obviously <laughs> there, there must be a little bit of pressure on your shoulders to not wreck it, first of all, because that is a, 
a prestigious car. You know, moving on beyond Indy, uh, what would you say for the 2018 season would be an ideal rookie campaign for yourself? Where do you see uh, your goals being at the moment? You know, I think overall goal, big picture, is to try to go for rookie of the year. Um, you know, that's definitely going to be a tall order uh, this season with guys like Wickens who have a, a ton of experience, uh, maybe outside of open wheel racing, but in racing in general. Um, but, you know, that that's the goal that we're going for. Um, St. Pete was a little different. We Our goal going into there was qualify in the top 12 and uh, finish in the top 15 and Obviously, uh, we missed transferring to the top 12 by four hundredths of a second when I had hit basically uh, fairly lightly hit the wall coming out of 10 uh, with a time that would have transferred me, but I lost it. So that was frustrating, but a lot of it's just been trying to make up for the uh, the season that I've had off. When you're outside of it, sitting on the sidelines, you, you kind of you dull a little bit. You know, things just aren't as sharp as they once were. So that's kind of one thing that we're fighting right now is just as we're getting a, a race in, a couple races in, it, it's getting a lot easier. And the past couple of tests that we've had is, have gone really well, but it's just trying to knock off the rust that we accumulated over the past year. With this being a three-year deal, um, you know, it takes a little bit of pressure off this first year to where I can just focus on learning as much as I can. Because, um, you know, our second and third years, those were the years that we uh, want to kind of pull what Alex has and just get closer and closer. And that third year hopefully be our, our championship contending year. I'm not going to lay the hard one on about the Rossi and Wickens thing at St. Pete because you're his teammate. But um, I'm just going to ask uh, a little bit easier. Do you think that, you know, Dixon getting a penalty for getting into Sato, but Ray Hall and Rossi dodging penalties is a... Uh, fair i know you saw ray hall firsthand so i thought you'd you'd be a good person to ask if it was fair that dixon got a penalty but ray hall rossi didn't yeah no uh it, it's hard to say um you know I, with ray hall's instant i can understand because uh you know he just you get on the paint in turn one and it's really hard to to make anything happen but for me to really say why one got one and one didn't it, it's hard for me to say um you know, it, it's a little like uh, my incident with uh, me and Kanan as well. Um, you know, I'm sure people have mixed opinions on how that should have played out. But, you know, from, I'd say, Rossi's standpoint, not saying this because he's my teammate, uh, you got to go for it. I mean, it's it's moments like that that race fans, I, I think, really love. That, uh, you know, you got to go for that gap when it's only a couple, three laps to go. So I think they, they did the right call there, at least. Yeah, the last question I want to ask you here on your 2018 campaign is, outside of Indianapolis, which race do you look forward to doing the most? And if you don't oh. say Mid-Ohio, I will oh, no. be at your doorstep. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not going to be Mid-Ohio. Um, oh. Actually, Texas is the race Wow. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, just because it reminds me of the old Indy Lights Freedom 100 races. You know, it's just pure chaos for now almost three hours around that place so i think a goal for that race is just to be running at the end because at that point you're going to get a top five <laughs> yeah we were talking about this in our indycar preview episode which was episode four i believe um 
obviously with the new cars, we don't know how they're going to handle the uh, Texas Oval. Uh, the last two years, we've seen pretty much a pack race. I'm curious to see this year what the uh, race will be like with a new package. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of the spread out racing, or maybe it'll continue the trend we've seen for the past two years of the uh, uh, bunched up close racing until the very end. So. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting, but you know, I, I was at Texas last year helping out with the two-seater, and I um, I watched the, the green flag, and then about halfway, I, I went across the street to the hotel and watched the rest of it on TV, and literally the last 20 laps, you know, I was sitting on the bed, and my mouth was just wide open. I mean, I was just in awe. I was like holding my breath, just waiting to see what was going to happen, so you know, I, I think those moments are hard on the drivers, for sure, but as far as a spectator and a fan perspective, you know, it's those moments that kind of, uh, you know, show what we're doing. You know, if, if they're holding their breath at home like we are in the car, I think uh, something's going right. It's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see for the future. But I want to jump back to the beginning of your career now because you do have quite an interesting uh, story to where you are right now. So starting way, way back, your uh, father wanted you to be a tractor pulling champion i hear <laughs> that that is correct yeah my uh, my dad was a national champion with uh two-wheel drive pulling trucks so he he built all of his own chassis and um you know basically with that the rules are a lot more open so whatever you dream of you can really create so i guess from the time i was about four years old until 11 i was traveling around the country with him watching that you know my dad i like you said, he, he did want me to do something like that. But the one thing that never made any sense to me was he never got to practice. And I remember when we were, we drove 26 hours out west for some pool. And uh, my dad went out, he won. And then the pool, you know, you're going down the track only once. So it's only about eight seconds. And then we loaded back up into the truck and we drove another 26 hours back home. And <laughs> middle of that, just thinking, you know, why? <laughs> you know, you see the Indy 500, you're like, well, you know, they're in the car for like three and a half hours. That that seems like a lot more fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've never really been a, a tractor pulling guy myself, so I can't really comment too much on it. But, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting um, sort of contradictive events there on uh, what you wanted to do with your career and what your father wanted you to do um, and I wanted to save most of these questions for the end but this one kind of just fits in right here um, from Mike Matt on Reddit wants to know have you ever personally competed in a tractor pull yourself? Not yet actually no? and, Not and yet. I say yet because uh, you know that was kind of one of the deals that my dad and I joked about when I was 12 was you know, he was going to do whatever it took to, to help me get the IndyCar, but as soon as I got the IndyCar, he wants to go back pulling. So um, probably in the near future, we're going to build a, a four or five engine mod. Uh, you know, so that's close to, uh, what I want to say, uh, close to 12,000 horsepower, I think those things have. So hopefully uh, we'll build one of those in the coming years, and uh, you know, I'll get to a couple chances to run it down the track. Yeah, well, uh, good luck on uh, on that is all I can say. 12,000 horsepower. I was, I was expecting a little bit less than that, but uh, yeah. Okay, so then you're, you go to your dad and you tell him you want to race. And what were you, 11 or 12? Which age was it? I would have been 11 then, yeah, because I started when I was 12. You know, But 
I, I was telling him since I was four years old that I, I wanted to race. <laughs> it took me uh, almost eight years to get him convinced. <laughs> a story I've heard, right, from Marshall Pruitt Podcast. More promoting from Marshall Pruitt Podcast on this podcast, like there's every week. Why are we promoting uh, rivals each and every episode? He's not a rival. We will never, <laughs> never be at his status. This is Marshall freaking Pruitt. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, go your dad. Tell me you want to race, and he says you got to be 15, and he says you say no, I want to race the Indy 500 or IndyCar. And so he's not very good at keeping secrets, and next thing you know, you have a go-kart, and you're testing every day of the week for hours on end at Circleville Raceway, which is where I race. It's a little bit on the side of Columbus, and yeah. uh, you meet a dude named Dave Fisher, which is Sarah Fisher's dad, which happens my grandpa was good friends with Dave Fisher, so that was a fun story for me to listen. But, uh, you got any uh, Circleville karting stories? I mean, I think I have a lot of karting stories, whether they're <laughs> interesting or, or not, you know. Uh, and Circleville was, for me, a great place to start out. One, because it's so rough that you're never going to find any track that beats you up quite like that one. Um, and Agreed. It was close to home, and the owner, Steve Tapman at the time, uh, was really great to my dad and I. You know, I felt like once I had the chance to start karting, I had to make up for a lot of lost time. So my dad, you know, he told me, I'll take you to the track any day that you want to go. So pretty much I asked every single day. and My brother and I, we would leave after school and meet my dad around 5. and I would run until it would get dark, so 5 until... 8.30-ish, and then Steve would actually, every now and then, turn on the lights just for me, and turn the lights on so I could practice until, you know, so, and within the first two or three months, before the season even started, I turned 3,500 laps around that place. Jeez. Uh, and for you to know Circleville, I mean, you, you would thought I would have gotten bored really quick, but, you know, I just, I was so in love with it, man, every single lap, uh, you know, I was trying something different and just trying to, to learn as much as I could. One of the uh, key takeaways I took from the Dion episode was the familiar drivers he raced with. Like, even in the lower ranks, like karting, he, what do you say, Pietro Fittipaldi, Gabby Chavez. Yeah. Um, so, were there any drivers of uh, recognition that you raced against back in the karting days, or not really? <laughs> I remember it was Stars of Karting. Uh, well, it was Florida Winter Tour at that time. 2007 to 2008 was like the time period my dad sage's dad did the same we both lied about our ages so we could race in jika during the winter and i remember being on the grid and trying to remember the order i think Karam was beside me piggott was one ahead of us and chavez was beside piggott and it's crazy to think that you know eight years later all of us done the 500 together and raced IndyCar at one point or another. And we all kind of didn't really know each other, and we all kind of hated each other back then. You know what I mean? It's the way it kind of is in karting. Like when you're yeah. young, super competitive with each other, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> you think it's either that kid or you, so you're like going after him. But it's funny, those guys end up becoming some of your closest friends just because you've had to go through so much stuff together. Um, and and I know a lot about them as far as racing. You know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable racing them than I do someone like 
uh, you know, Scott's or uh, Pagano right now, just because, you know, I'm, I'm learning them now as they're learning me. It's, it's not something that's familiar. Moving on from karting, you uh, next went up to Formula BMW, which was actually, I assume, a good experience because it get you, uh, got you some experience on some tracks. Uh, I know Formula BMW used to race at Lime Rock. Was getting on some of those uh, more familiar full-size tracks a good experience? Uh, somewhat. The thing that was tough was, uh, you know, we were just testing. We would go to the track, uh, you know, the Monday or Tuesday after their race weekend because I was still too young to compete. Um, so, you know, that was good to kind of learn just a little bit. Uh, for a while, we were, uh, we were worried that I was just killing series because we, we started to prepare for Formula BMW, and then that series fell apart, started to prepare for the Atlantic series, then it fell apart. And, you know, when the Atlantic thing, it, it fell apart literally a week before the first race was supposed to be in Sebring. And that was kind of like the the worst day of my life just because I thought it was kind of all over for me. And three days later, that's when my dad got a call from Michael about the USF 2000. Honestly, that was the single biggest moment that happened for the best. You know, with those two series is falling apart, that kind of, that, that, I don't know if it was the way the universe worked at that time, but that's what put me on the path to, to getting to IndyCar. Yeah, of course, from going to pretty much in two series that weren't doing too much for you, uh, yeah. Formula BMW and Alex, and then you go to USF 2000 with Andretti Autosport, and that kind of really puts you on the table, uh, got your name out there quite a bit, because uh, Kyle listed some of your accolades here that you were, uh, oh. that you were awarded. See, I think these are interesting, yeah. all of these you were, uh, that I just found. You were <laughs> a finalist for the Sports Illustrated Sports Kid of the Year Award. Yep. And you were on <laughs> CNN's list of intriguing people in 2010, so right around the same time you were doing USF 2000. Yeah, it was um, it was it was a unique time because we, you know, I say that like I'm 60 years old, but you know, we were coming onto the scene. You know, Sage and I, we were the two 15 year olds at that time, and that was kind of unheard of. You know, we were the the first generation of the young kids coming into the road to Indy. You know, I, I get to say I took part in the very first year of Monster Road to Indies history. So it created a lot of buzz. You know, a lot of people were trying to figure out how legally they were putting 15-year-olds in race cars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people were okay with that. And secondly, you know, what was making us uh, want to do something like that? So it was uh, a pretty fun time to be a part of. All right, so, I mean, you've kind of stuck with Andretti for quite a while. You signed with them, obviously, for USF 2000, but you stuck with them through Star Mazda. You did a full season Star Mazda in 2012, and then in 2013, you made your Indy Lights debut, um, and that's always a great opportunity. puts you up on some uh, some big races like the Freedom 100. Yeah, 2013, that was the close finish here. Um, yeah, no, I got an awesome view of it from fifth place because I had a, uh, a cut oh. tire with, like, what, 10 laps to go? So I was just cruising, and I was like, great, guys, make history without me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than 2016 when you got put in the wall by Enerson. Yeah, that's true. We had a fast car that day, you too. You did? Though. Wasn't that, like, the first lights car over 100 miles per hour on qualifying or something? Yeah, uh, first over 200, yeah. Well, oh, it's 200. Oh, goes, I said... <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, we do 200 in practice. Everyone loses their mind. Then I don't get to qualify because it rained. So I have to start, like, sixth or something. 
And then I'm like charging up through the field. And then Anderson and I get together on the exit of two. And then it, on, after that was the longest 30 laps of my entire life, just waiting for it to be over. <laughs> and you kind of continued your success train into 2014 with three wins. And uh, you finished the season third in points. So that was great to see. Then, no, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good year. Just fortunately, the last race of the year, we had a uh, steering rack uh, fail. Uh, in the first race at Sonoma. So it was going to be a tall order to make up what we needed to because Brabham and I both were struggling with the cars pretty bad there. But, you know, when it takes it out of your hands, you know, something that you didn't do, it's definitely uh, disheartening. Yeah, unfortunately, this this whole uh, sort of success train ended, though, in 2015. You're forced to take a year off. Could you just talk a little bit about that whole, um, you know, how that really felt after – um, finishing third in points in 2016 and then you are not 20, 2014 sorry and then uh just having 2015 with pretty much no ride out there yeah um have you guys ever had a really really bad breakup it's kind of like that you know that, that was the thing it's like you know everything was going great we had a ton of momentum we you know felt like we were exactly where we needed to be and i honestly um four weeks before saint Pete, i had an indy car ride um, it was looking to be a full year in IndyCar with Andretti. And then um, we were in the contract phase of that. And then the sponsorship fell through once we had the paperwork drafted. So, you know, it went from the highest of high that I've ever had in my entire life to, you know, feeling sick for like, you know, a month and a half. And then on top of that, I since I already had my wrist, it was slightly broken from uh, an incident in Indy Lights in 2000 and, uh 2013 so we had it operated on it then since it looked like a good time to get it done so i just remember sitting you know my dad's basement with a cast on my arm watching uh you know the indy 500 i didn't even go so you pretty much just uh for the time ended your five-year uh partnership with andretti right there but you were back in 2016 with ballardi another full season in indy lights so that was great to see he should have won saint pete his first ever race was Bellardi. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that man, that was that honestly, um that I I can say that was the first time I've cried in a race car. <laughs> Besides like winning at Milwaukee, because that doesn't count. But like literally like from being punched in the gut like tears. That's but bad. you know, I blame, you know, a lot of two thousand sixteen up until the halfway point. Uh not so much on, on Bellardi. You know, they were giving me good cars. I just I kept making a lot of mistakes. You kind of got that momentum back at the end of the season, though. You ended up finishing fourth in the championship, so uh, third place in 2014, then a fourth place in 2016. Um, yeah, great no, momentum it, for moving on. It was tough. We um, we should have finished third, but we uh, got penalized at Watkins Glen when we won. Uh, I got to keep the win, but they took my winner's points away. Um, I think I remember that, too. Yeah, and... <laughs> I, I failed tech because I got hit by Jones when I passed him going into turn one, and it, it bent the uh, left side like under tray like an what is it like a sixteenth an eighteenth or whatever of an inch too low. So you know it was from a contact racing incident, but I still got penalized for it. That, that you guys out. couldn't protest that. Man, we it were was... trying, but uh, you know they told me basically. You're lucky that you get to keep the win. If you want to keep pushing it, uh, you know, you can. But, uh, you know, mm. the way. So it's like, all right, well, thanks. <laughs> 
Well, three uh, full-time seasons in Indy Lights, and then you could, uh, we can get onto the fun stuff here, the big one, the IndyCar series. Uh, you finally catch a break in 2017. Ed Carpenter calls you in at Barber for the injured uh, Jared Hildebrand, correct? Yeah, yeah, that was my, my very first race in IndyCar. Yeah, Jared Hildebrand, uh, was it his hand or his wrist or something at Long Beach? It was a wrist because, yeah. uh, who was it, a lotion and him had contact. So, uh, stepping up to IndyCar from an Indy Lights car, especially in the Aero Kit era that we had from 2015 to 2017, when the cars just had ridiculously high downforce. Uh, what was that kind of like stepping into a car? Was it just more of a, a terrifying was... learning experience, or were you able to settle into it pretty quickly? It was the hardest race, single race weekend of my entire life. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't expecting it. I got called literally on Wednesday that I needed to be in Alabama the next day for load-in day for my very first IndyCar race. And, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, Tim on the phone, their their manager, and, you know, he goes, hey, man, are, are you ready to go racing? I was all excited, and I was like, yeah, yo, of course. As soon as I hung up the phone, it's like a 1,000 pounds, like, was in my stomach. Like, I just, I just, I hung up the phone, and the smile completely went away, and I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is, this is real now, and and the funny thing was, you know, for me, that was the first time I'd driven a race car since my win at Laguna, you know, seven months prior. So, you know, it was it was a tough tough thing to be thrown into, and we just tested at Barber um, uh, last week, and you know, it was a really good test for us. You know, we we're in the top five for a while and ended up uh, top or tenth overall. But my third lap in the new Indy car was like four tenths faster than my fastest lap from the entire weekend last year. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it, I just kind of saw that and kind of giggled to myself and I was like, yeah, I was, I was in over my head a little bit that weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to go from a, from an Indy lights car to just wrestling that behemoth of a thing around a track uh, yeah. for two testing, hours. So. Testing's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's actually really surprising to get called in and drive something that powerful, that difficult to drive. Which the only thing, only time he drove an Indy car was like a year before at Sonoma. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why I was, man, I was trying to learn everything and you know, the procedures and everything else. And now, you know, after you know six test days this winter, four test days and, and St. Pete, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm running at 25% of the speed that the first test felt you know i think that's the big thing of of just getting time in the indy cars you're going so fast that your mind just kind of needs that time to process it and slow everything down and and once you slow everything down it, it starts becoming you know still difficult but a lot easier than it was the first time around so then a couple of months later you made an appearance at the uh the most prestigious race on the calendar, the Indy 500, uh, but this time it was with A.J. Foyt instead of Ed Carpenter. So what were your opinions? I know you got called a couple of months before on that race, but were the uh, were the nerves pretty high going into that month, or did you just feel over time that uh, you were going to be prepared for it with all the practice that you get over the month of May? Yeah, going into it, I think uh, we had the most nerves, just you know, excited to see what was going to come and you know, once we got into kind of the practice week, uh, you know, we, we realized kind of what we were getting ourselves into. We were all kind of struggling a little bit for speed. 
the, that that whole week. Uh, my teammates, I was with Carlos Munoz and Connor Daly. Um, so we were all three of us were trying to work as hard as we could to to get some speed out of the car. But you know the the biggest highlight from from that whole experience was the sponsor that I was lucky enough to find to make the Indy 500 happen. Um, that relationship grew from the 500 to what I have now with a three-year deal with Andretti. So, you know, at the time, it was the Indy Women in Tech Championship presented by Guggenheim, and that had kind of grown and and switched into a new name as Group 1001. So it was a perfect time, and kind of both of our uh, relationships in our lives that uh, they were wanting to bring Group 1001 around, kind of give it a new name, grow it, and I was trying to grow my career at the time, so... Um, it was kind of a perfect fit for us. And if it wasn't for the Indy 500, I, I wouldn't have any of this today. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much set you up and uh, put you on the table. Of course, like we said, this year, uh, you're racing full-time with Andretti again, back reunited with that team. Um, you've only run one race so far. Uh, this is still being recorded early in the season. Uh, but you have Phoenix next week, so uh, always something to look forward to as well as the entire season. So we're going to have to wish you the best of luck on that one. Yeah, thank you guys. No, I, re- I really appreciate that. It's uh, just going to be a steady uphill climb for us, you know, just getting uh, experience every race weekend. Yeah, I think you said this earlier as well. Um, it's always nice to go in with a three-year contract because you don't need to push yourself over the limit immediately. You can kind of settle in, find your rhythm, and then once you're really comfortable, then you can start pushing for those wins. Exactly. I think, you know, that's that's one thing kind of where we're at is, you know, there's more speed in the car that we can get out if we absolutely, you know, have to at the time. But there's rookies that come in and they're extremely fast and they tear up a lot of stuff right away. Or there's the guys, you know, kind of like Gabby who, you know, just kind of work their way up progressively and take care of their equipment. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that that's more beneficial. We just got to make sure we keep getting, you know, every single lap of every race and, and just keep learning as much as we can. Yeah, I don't think you want to go up to Michael after you kind of tore up one of his cars. I think he'll happily, uh, he'll happily take you being more consistent rather than pushing it over the limit. As my crew chief says, you gotta crawl before you ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to get into the uh, the uh, fan Q and A here. We went to. Oh, I'm excited. We went to Instagram. We went to Reddit and asked uh, asked some fans to uh, put in some questions for you. So the Michael N in the it, I think the L in the end is supposed to look like Indiana, but anyways, we both see the same hairstylist in Indy. Why is Shannon the best hairstylist in town, and how integral is a sweet bouffant hairdo to winning the Indy 500? <laughs> it's all about the hair, but you know, to have good hair, you have to have a good hairdresser. So. Uh... You know, that, that's one of the most important things, for sure. <laughs> I told you these were good questions. You're welcome, Great. Shannon. Sponsor us now, please. <laughs> the, the Rain Race Podcast presented by Shannon. We <laughs> <laughs> um, got all those all those other podcasts we're competing against. You got Marshall Pro with Cooper Tire. We've got Dinner with Racers with, uh, what would it be, Continental. We're, we're sponsored by Shannon. <laughs> we're gonna Shannon need Santa's number after this. <laughs> anyway, uh, counterbalanced cove uh, on Reddit asks: dogs, cats, or both? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's funny because my girlfriend's giving me the eye right now because we're having to move into a, a bigger place because I'm allergic to her dog, and the apartment was too 
too small for all three of us. Oh no! Uh, definitely, definitely a dog person for sure. Um, but I kind of want a hairless cat. <laughs> Just oh no! Giggles. Kate, don't let him get a hairless uh, cat, and you can keep your dog because dogs are better. Even though he's allergic, it, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> what breed of dog, though? It's an important one. Well, it's a mix between uh, an Australian Shepherd and a uh, a Wattweiler, so mm. she's real dog. pretty. She's a Shetland. <laughs> Keep the dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that's all. Though. Do the, do the no. Do Dixon's the man. Do that one. Oh, oh no! <laughs> all right, Dixon's the man. No, that one's great. Who would win <laughs> in a fight between all six Andretti Autosport drivers, including Munoz and Wilson? Ooh, okay. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I, I think me actually. And, <laughs> wait, I was gonna okay. say, don't sell yourself short we're gonna, here. We're gonna have to ask the, the other this five now. This is my theory, though. This is my theory. So I'm small. All the tall guys, they're gonna duke it out first. So you're gonna see Rossi and Hunter Ray and Wilson beating down on each other. So I think that that's a battle that's going on. And then, you know, Marco <laughs> and Carlos, they're, they got more history. So they're probably going to be you know, fighting each other while I'm, like, just observing, right? You know, I'm going to be shadows. Then the winner between Carlos and Marco has to take on the from the giant. So there's only going to be one left. And by that time, the person's so tired that I can just walk in and easily skip the W. There's way too much thought into that. Yeah, one. I was gonna say, but I mean that's planned out. Uh, someone else commented they picked Wilson, and I'd probably have to agree with Steph. Would be the guy because I, I don't know. I think he's he's Steph the gentle giant. If anyone I'm afraid of, it's probably Ryan because he's got that real dad vibe to him. Supposedly, <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, I didn't. I barely heard Ryan in that story. Like, what <laughs> set it up though. Maybe right, his well, kids help him out, and they take you out. I don't know. Set well, it up. My name, thanks to Marco and Alex and Ryan, is uh, Big Meech now. Penske has the Penske games. You guys need to organize the Andretti fight in Vegas <laughs> on, on pay-per-view. This is going to be Showtime. the Andretti Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> be great. Uh, well, we ask all the hard-hitting questions on the Rain Race podcast. How, so now let's, how would Michael now respond to there's some serious ones here. How would Michael? You just go in. Oh, his, his, uh, we didn't even bring in... You gotta go. No, you gotta go wait, in. Wait, Who's wait, gonna wait. tell Michael idea. that all of his drivers are unavailable because they're busy <laughs> beating each other up in Vegas on pay-per-view television? Wait, everyone's unavailable but me because I won. Oh, that's that's correct. So, wait, so I have he'll give you the now. best equipment. I, I have a, I have a new question. So there's a fight between all six Andy Andretti drivers, but you stick Michael and Mario in there. Then who wins? Oh, oh that's huh. not cool, man. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> I feel like Mario wins. Who's gonna start throwing punches Mario? at Mario? Okay, you just add Michael. You just add Michael. Then I'll then I'll pick Michael. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna fight any of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I pick Michael because Michael gets in there, and then it's it's you, you, what you said—the last battle, one on one—and then you know Veach is obviously the last guy from what he thinks, and then Veach is like, "No, I want my job," and then just sits on the ground. Yeah. So I that's mean, how that happens. I absolutely love rock climbing. <laughs> I, I've stopped doing that because I love my job. So. <laughs> Let's move on to some of the more uh, serious sort of um, we asked thoughtful the questions, questions here. here. Yeah, we've just gotten over those. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hoff God wants to know who is the best driver you've raced against that the average IndyCar fan hasn't heard of. 
That's a good question. Like That's a really good one. Um, Felix Rosenquist, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Ten times over. Um, he's been my favorite teammate. Uh, and as far as talent, the guy definitely deserves to be an IndyCar. And, you know, I think once he gets over here, it's going to be uh, really hard to beat. Didn't he win St. Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's got – well, we know he's got major talent. He ran quicker laps at Dixon than Dixon in the mid-Ohio test in 2016. Yeah, he's For an animal. Indy- yeah. He's an animal. Yeah. All right. And then Hoffman also that. wants to know, besides the pie face – have your Andretti teammates pulled any pranks on you yet? Oh man, uh, not yet. Not yet. Not and do you plan on pranking on Marco back? Oh uh, yeah, I have my own plans. But, uh, you know, I'm letting them commence though. You know, I'm I'm basically playing North Korea with them. You know, I'm just letting them know that I have weapons and I'm not going to use them. But if they if <laughs> Once the war starts, I'm I'm gonna try to finish it for sure. I feel like Hunter Ray's the one you gotta watch out for. I feel like he'd be the guy. Like I said, Hunter Ray's kind of the dad. Yeah, know? he's the he manages the three of us really well. Um, but I think the one person I'm I, like I'm most suspicious of is Alexander and Marco. I feel like Alexander might get predictable. Well, that's and Marco's the thing. already gotten you. Yeah, but. Marco is like the kingpin for the outside of car festivities. So uh, he's, he's like a, the go-to. He's got a big, I just got to say, he's got a big house, which leads a lot of opportunities of things to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited for May. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Johnson4253 uh, asks, aside, uh, I guess he's saying aside from motorsport, what uh, sporting event would you most likely take part in? Um, I think, okay, this is one. One thing I'd really like to try uh, is uh, downhill ski jumping, like Eddie Ooh. the Eagle. I think I saw that on Twitter. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. But honestly, you know, if I'm not racing, you're going to find me in the mountains. You know, I, I, I one day for sure I want to do pretty extreme mountaineering. Um, you know, I love rock climbing out in Yosemite. Torta Collision wants to know what current driver or drivers from any series do you respect the most? Um, good question. Drivers that I respect the most. It's got to be the staged rally guys. Oh, yeah. For oh. sure. Hands down. I yeah. mean... As far see, that's the thing. Racing in every series has we've become specialists. IndyCar drivers are specialists at driving IndyCar. You know, they get in sports cars and they're just as fast. But as far as pure driving and just reaction, I think rally car. You know, those guys they're beyond brave to do what they do. Didn't Pagano do some rally? Yeah, he did some uh, a little bit of it. He dabbled in it for sure. There we go, Pagano. And he said he wants to do it after he retires. So, I definitely want to try it. My on my bucket list, motorsports wise, is uh, the Baja One Thousand. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean the rally fans as well. I've seen some videos on YouTube of guys who stand <laughs> right up next to the cars That's... when they're flying in the air at over a hundred miles. Like, what are you? Yeah, rally fans might be as uh, brave as the drivers. They stand like right in front of the cars with no fencing or anything. It, it's, it's madness. I mean, honestly, I'd be afraid of killing someone the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I said this on Twitter a couple months ago. I think that right now at the moment, rally is like 
the most pure sort of old school form of uh, motorsport you have out there. I don't think anything yeah, yeah. even comes close to it anymore with the safety standards nowadays. And, and that's, I think, why they're the, you know, that's why they're the easy choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, everything else is really advanced. You know, it, it's advancing as well, but there's just a purity to that that will always remain. Uh, he also uh, wants to know, who did you look up to as a kid in terms of racing drivers? When I was really young, for sure, I looked up to Michael Andretti, which why, you know, this is such a cool experience for me. But, you know, as I started racing, um, the one guy was always uh, Fran Keedy. I really liked Jario. I have a ton of respect for him. Um, I, was, I was wanting to hear Bobby Rahal because Ohio, once again. <laughs> but Michael's... I'll, Michael can slide. Well, that's the thing, right? You were either a Ray Hall fan or an Andretti fan, I feel like. Oh, the Andretti Ray Hall rivalry still exists. Marco blocked <laughs> me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him to unblock me on another account. He blocked that account. And now I'm blocked on Twitter. It's The rivalry is. Well, I know true. you're blocked on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened now. <laughs> and then the last thing. Like, what did I do? <laughs> The uh, the last thing he wanted to know is uh, what tracks would you add to the IndyCar schedule? Easy, Milwaukee Mile. Uh huh. Yeah. That that track should have never left the schedule. Uh, that place I absolutely love. Watkins Glen, which will be coming back, which is good. Um, Laguna Seca. And yes. if I could strive big and, and go for no limits, Cleveland. Oh, yes, finally. The Ohio boy like prevails and gives me an Ohio answer oh that I love. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> just the history. I mean, you, you hear about that place, and it seemed pretty cool. Fontana put on a good race, too. I really liked the, the Fontana yeah. show. Just, uh, yeah. It was hard to get people there, I guess. I liked Fontana the last time they were in there, too. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me add to that question. What, like, IndyCar track would you add? Well, what track for IndyCar would you add that has never hosted IndyCar or hasn't hosted, you know, like in this decade, I guess, or recently. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Road Atlanta. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, Road Atlanta is a fast track, so that might, especially the last turn might be a little bit uh, concerning, but. I would assume you could do turn one flat in IndyCar. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be, well, that'd be scary. Tell Michael we need a test there. When you put reds on, I mean, it would be really cool. I mean, people would be excited about it. But if you went off there, I mean, it would be it would be a hard hit. Yeah, one of the most. Common... I always thought, I always thought VIR would be a good one, too. I've never been there actually, so it's hard for me to say. One of the most common answers I've seen to that one though is everyone says, "Oh, you should go to the Daytona Road Course. You should go." I mean, oh no, I think that track's too fast. And not, I'm not talking safety wise. I'm talking about just for in terms of excitement. I feel like it's just too fast to even. Um, put on close racing. Everyone was just spread out over or after a while. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's my five cents. I don't think that that'd put on a great show, but everybody seems to bring it up. So, <laughs> figured I had to dabble on it right you there. You know what would be cool is uh, Three Rivers. I have no yeah. idea where that is. <laughs> oh, that was uh, up in Quebec. Um, oh. It was for a while just an Indy Lights track, but I think Champ Car might have ran there back in the day. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you're talking about because those fans up there are absolutely insane. It was, I mean, when I think back of a, you know, from 2010 to now, top five funnest weekends as far as just as far as people, the environment. That's definitely inside the top five. 
Yeah, now I remember that track from uh, ALMS, actually. I believe ALMS raced there a couple of years, but... I think so. Ironically, I just saw an article of Rob Miller saying there needs to be another Canadian track. Yeah, well... That fits. Oh, yeah, but if we're going to go to Canada, I think most sport would be awesome. If You, you could easily build a, a 35 race long schedule if you wanted to. Yeah, speaking of tracks, uh, like the most interesting one that's I've heard ever is uh, Graham once said, let's put, I forget what arrow he said, in like the oval boost, well, not, like road course boost or whatever, and let's try and do it, just do a test at Bristol Motor Speedway. It might be too tight, but I feel like if you got the arrow right, it might be interesting to where like you have to lift, act like actually like lift, and it'll be like tricky to drive. I feel like that could be That'd worth be looking at, mm, at least. The, the banking, though. I mean, it's like, it's just I see that as a NASCAR track. I don't. It's not a thing like I've never looked it's not at a thing that you look at that. and you're like, let's do it. But it's a thing where it's like, I bet that could be interesting if you got it the right way. I just, you know, for me, when people ask what's your favorite track in the world, I usually say Milwaukee without hesitating. And you know, I just I feel we should be racing there because it's literally the oldest racetrack. It's about as sad as when we lost Nazareth. Yeah, well, yeah, and if you look at it now, it's just overgrown and depressing. Yeah. That's what I'm scared Milwaukee's going to be. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say. One day, if I have a bunch of money one day, my goal will be to uh, bring back the Milwaukee Mile. Like my Twitter campaign for it already. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but uh, Pamela Henderson uh, asks, who is the best driver you raced against in a ladder series that hasn't had a shot in IndyCar? I assume uh, the answer is going to be Felix Rosenquist, as you said earlier, but if you have anybody different... <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll say Felix Rosenquist easily, but um, let me think. Uh, just going back through it, I mean, Brabham, he, he's at least gotten to do a couple races. Um, I'd say, you know, uh, Santiago, uh, I can't even say his last name right because of his nickname. Erusia. Erusia, there we go. <laughs> We, we I, I call him by his nickname all the time and he understands it, so that works. Santi. I think yeah, I think Santi would be pretty quick for sure. He's the guy that I feel like hasn't gotten a shot in IndyCar that should or hasn't yeah. won a championship and just should. Like yeah, that guy he he's an animal. And then they also want to know, does the road course or no, was it the R Road Street Course. Oh, the Road and Street Course arrow <laughs> fit your driving style better or worse than the 2017 kit did? I'd say better, um, just because it makes more sense. The the 17 kit had so much downforce that basically the all the high speed corners, you never got any feedback from the car, so it was really hard to to tell where the limit was, and you really only found out from experience. And the last question here is from uh, Zoe Diggity. <laughs> if you could, <laughs> These Reddit names are beautiful. If you could race any previous IndyCar driver in their prime, who would it be and where would it be? Wow. Um, I could race any driver. Sorry, that's like a really good question. Yeah, that's a deep one. Yeah. I'd say, you know what, I'd like to race Michael, either at Toronto or Milwaukee. Hmm. Those were two places Back that in he the, would uh, I'm going to add one more thing to this. If you could uh, pick what 
era of cars? Would it be the Ooh. the old '90s cart cars? Would it be all the way back to the roadsters, or would you stick with with uh, what you have right now? Definitely not the roadsters. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I think the '90s cart car for sure. Yeah. Because um, you had so much power, and you didn't have driver equivalency weight back then, so I would have like a fifty pound advantage on everyone else. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Instant advantage right there. Yeah, that's like an instant half a second. Beat your childhood hero. <laughs> Coming into the series this year for you, you don't, you're don't, you not Danica and you don't have Robbie Gordon telling people that you have a, a weight advantage. So that's the plus you have in this era. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, thank you so much to Zach for joining us. It was really great to reminisce on some old times and uh, look forward to the future with him. Uh, you can check out the podcast. Here comes the shameless plugs, as always. Uh, you can check out the oh. podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, YouTube.com, slash C, slash Deductive Rain. Um, yeah, next week for Phoenix. And? I already discussed this before. I'll give your promotion a second, Kyle. I already discussed this before uh, in the last podcast. So for Phoenix next week, I plan on doing a uh, live stream where we can uh, hang out and sort of watch the race together. You can comment, do a Q&A, all that stuff. And, uh, Cheers, Zach, on because he was kind enough to join us for this one. Uh, but Kyle, and hold on, oh. I got something. And when you're done listening to this podcast, go over to shop.indycar.com and buy one of Zach Veach's t-shirts to uh, support him this race season because he was kind enough to join us for this podcast, and he is probably uh, the most relatable IndyCar driver that I have ever spoken to. And uh, his diecast should be coming up soon. Just support Zach Veach. Yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, uh, and Kyle's. Uh, Kyle's social media, Ray Hall, Fanatic15, uh, among all platforms. Although maybe, maybe after this, are you going to change it anywhere? Um, Beach Fanatic? Well, hmm? Uh, hmm? Eventually. <laughs> Ray Hall's 29 now, so give it a couple years. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if it's indie and we're both, you know, leading and coming down, oh. I, know you got, I know who you're cheering for, but... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I think okay. If you guys are leading at the end, I think I'm just happy either way. I'm just, just don't wreck each other. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's gonna wrap it up for this one. Uh, we'll hopefully be back on the normal Monday schedule uh, in the next week or two. Uh, catch you all then. Hope you all enjoyed it, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>